Hello, and welcome to Pastor Rick's Daily Hope. Today we continue in our series called The Life You Were Meant to Live. In this series, Pastor Rick looks into the Bible to help you discover the life God planned for you, the life you were meant to live. In just a few moments, we're going to tell you about an amazing opportunity to partner with Daily Hope to share the Word of God with people around the world. You can find out more by going to PastorRick.com while you listen to the message, or text the word DAILY to 800-600-5004. Right now, here's Pastor Rick Warren with the final part of a message called, How to Lighten Your Load. Now, what can we learn from Jesus? Well, he tells us. He says here, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. They say, gentle and humble. Now, how in the world is that going to help me in stress? I can think of a lot of other things I'd like to learn from Jesus for stress management besides being gentle and humble. Those two just don't seem to coincide with my need for stress reduction. I'd rather learn how to have courage and stamina. I'd rather learn how to have confidence and strength. I'd rather learn how to have power and self-assurance. And God says, no, no, no. You're overloaded. You need to learn gentleness and humility. What? Why of all the things Jesus could teach me when it comes to needing soul rest, I need gentleness and humility? I'll tell you why. Because the two greatest causes of overload in your life are aggression and arrogance. That's what causes you to get overloaded. Aggression and arrogance. Aggression. We get in a hurry. We don't want to wait. We don't want to pause. We don't want to delay. We don't want to consider. We want it now. We want to be assertive. We want to be aggressive. And we just jump right into things and we get way overcommitted before we could possibly fulfill all those commitments simply out of assertion and aggression. And so we get in a hurry. I got to do it now. You only go around once in life. And so you're out there pushing, pushing, pushing. Not in a gentle way, in an aggressive way. Dog eat dog, competition. We got to do it now. We got to do it first. We got to do it best. And you're overloaded because of aggression. You're also overloaded because of arrogance. Ego is responsible for a lot more stress in your life than you want to give credit for. Ego is responsible for a lot more stress in my life than I want to give it credit for. Because we go out and we think, I can handle this, and we take on another responsibility. And ego and arrogance and pride is why you try to control everything. Because you think you know better than everybody else. You think you know better than God. And you try to do it all, and you try to have it all, and you try to be it all, and you try to please everybody, and you think you're Superman or Superwoman, and you're not. It's pride. It's ego that drives us to buy more than we can afford, to attempt more than we could possibly fulfill in terms of commitments. It's ego. And so Jesus says, you know what? You really want soul rest? Here's the antidote. Gentleness and humility. You need to remind yourself daily that you are not everybody's savior. Jesus is. You can't solve everybody's problems. You can't even solve all your own. You need to remind yourself that you are not the manager of the universe. Jesus is. 
You need to remind yourself that you were just a tiny cog in a very, 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 very big universe. Let's just put this in perspective. Have a degree of humility which brings sanity, which brings relief from stress. So he says, be gentle, be humble. How do you learn that? Watch Jesus. Jesus was gentle and humble. He said it, I am gentle and humble. What does it mean? He was totally dependent upon God. What was Jesus' secret of peace? I read through the book of John this week and found 12 times where Jesus says, I only do what the Father tells me to do. I only say what the Father tells me to say. I think what he wants me to think. I go where he wants me to go. I stay where he wants me to stay. I do what he wants me to do. Jesus lived a life of simple, humble obedience to the Father. He said, all I do is what the Father tells me, and I don't worry about anything else. He said, I'm not into crowd pleasing. I'm not into crowd pleasing. I only do what the Father tells me to do. Do you think that would change the stress level in your life if you begin to live that way? Where you said, I'm going to live only for an audience of one. I'm not really going to try to please everybody in the whole world because I can't. But I'm just going to work on doing what God wants me to do, what God tells me is most important, what matters most, and not worry about the fact that I can't get it all done, be in all places, have all things. That would be a breath of relief to every one of our lifestyles. When you only focus on doing what God wants to do, you don't have to know the answers to life. When you focus on what God wants you to do, you don't have to worry about what's going to happen in the future. Look at the next verse. Since the Lord's directing our steps, you know, I'm yoked to him, why try to understand everything that happens along the way? He'll get me where he wants me to be, and he'll get me there at the right time, the right direction and the right pace. You say, well, what about when I get tired? Notice the next verse. When I'm ready to give up, he knows what I should do. This is so important. Learning to trust and learning to let go for the secrets of stress reduction. During this series, I've received a lot of letters from you. This is a typical of an email. Dear Pastor Rick, I can't remember the last time I felt rested and refreshed. My life has been on overload for years. There are too many expectations, too many responsibilities, too many activities, and too many decisions. And it seems like it all has to be done immediately. You ever feel like that? I often feel like I'm putting my fingers in the hole of a dam that's leaking, but I don't have enough fingers to stop all the leaks. I am tired of always rushing to the next activity. Anybody here feel like that? But when I look around, I see that this feeling is not unique. Everyone is overloaded. Nobody has any margin in their lives. Everyone is trying to do too much. So much that we don't have time to do what's most important because every moment is packed. This is madness. It can't be God's will for us to live this way. I really want to learn. There's that word. I want to learn how to rest and relax in God's plan not just for my own health, but because I can see how my kids are learning the same crazy lifestyle. 
as your pastor, I want you to learn this before it's too late. I want you to learn to let go, to turn to Jesus, to give up control, to learn to trust before it's too late. Like it happened to a friend of mine. I want you to hear Charlie's story. Would you give him a warm welcome? Hi, my name is Charlie, and I'd like to share with you how Jesus Christ lightened the load in my life and changed me forever when I finally gave up control of my life and learned to trust in Him. I've spent most of my life working hard to earn the love and approval of other people. It was a heavy load that eventually caused my life to crash and burn. When I was growing up, my father was a strict disciplinarian who never forgave himself for the accidental death of my oldest sister, Linda, who died after getting an infection on a hunting trip with my dad four years before I was born. In my dad's mind, my sister became a saintly martyr, and I could never measure up to her goodness, so he had no time for me. My mother, on the other hand, refocused all of her attention on my sister, Anne, who is three years older than I am. That left me to care for myself, and I grew up feeling very insecure. Although we were never allowed to talk about it, my sister's death created a lot of dysfunction in our family relationships. In an effort to gain the love of my parents and carve out a place for myself and the family, I tried making good grades. I was determined to earn their approval. So I made all A's, and was an honor student, but as one of my teachers told me in front of the class, Charles, you're smart, but you're no and That comment only made me try harder and harder to prove myself. Since academics were not enough, I also tried achieving acceptance from my father through athletics. I lettered in football, basketball, track, and baseball, but my father had been a star athlete at Texas A&M University, and no matter how well I did, I failed to measure up in his eyes. In high school, I discovered that the acceptance I craved could be earned by having the prettiest girl in school as my girlfriend. Not only did I get validation from her, but also by everyone else who thought I must be someone special to have her as my girlfriend. Things seemed to get better, but in my junior year in high school, I got my cheerleader girlfriend pregnant. I believed I was in love, and with the help of her parents and mine, we convinced her to marry me because it was the honorable thing to do. Although I was still in high school, I worked nights at a truck stop and weekends at a mobile home factory. One Sunday morning, I came home to find the house cleaned out slicker than a bowling alley and a note from my wife saying that she had left the state with no forwarding address. She wrote that she had never loved me and that our child did not need a father. I was absolutely devastated by this abandonment. But instead of turning to Christ to heal the pain of my rejection, I turned back to sports to fill the emptiness in my soul. However, the local school board had a rule that barred married students from extracurricular activities, so I transferred to New Mexico Military Institute in Roswell, New Mexico, where I could play football. Before I left, my, my father said, you may be able to leave this town, but your mother and I still have to live and work with these people. I can still remember the shame 
and guilt I felt. The Eagle Scout, athletic hero, had just been run out of town on a rail. The gossip around town was that I had ruined our school's chances for having a decent football season. And that's a pretty big deal in a small oil town in West Texas. In military school, I picked up a lot of bad habits like smoking pot and using drugs and staying drunk. I felt like a rebel, so I did everything I could to live up to the reputation of a tough, wild football player who you never wanted to cross or confront. I was restless and unhappy and had no inner peace. Soon after, I continued my quest to be accepted by my father by accepting an opportunity to play football at Texas A&M University, his alma mater. However, military discipline, drug abuse, and numerous injuries my junior year took its toll. My football career that I had placed so much faith in was gone. I dropped out of the Corps of Cadets, and I disappointed my parents once again. Looking for love and peace of mind, I moved in with a girl from my English class. She wanted an Aggie football player, and I wanted someone to run my life. We both got what we wanted, were married, and had two children. But every time things went wrong, I'd blame my wife and turn to someone or something else to validate me. After 10 years of living as an alcoholic and adulterer, our family finally collapsed. Even after we were divorced, I still tried to foolishly control everything myself instead of simply turning to Jesus. Because I was in control of my life, I went on to repeat the same pattern again with wife number three and child number four. All this time, I was living a double life. I attended church regularly. I even served on the board of deacons. My public life as a businessman was respectable, but my private life was in shambles, falling apart, and try as I might, I couldn't hold it together again. In my secret life, I was running from God instead of coming to him. So I was filled with enormous guilt and anger and stress. My life was on overload. In August 1997, I hit rock bottom. As I drove into Bakersfield from Silicon Valley, I, my car blew out its engine at about 3 o'clock in the morning. And I sat in a flea bag hotel for three days waiting to see if my car could be fixed. Needless to say, I had a lot of time to think about my life. Instead of turning to God, I had tried to fill the hole in my heart with alcohol, drugs, pornography, countless affairs, fast money, fast times, and the excitement of living on the edge. But all of the things that I used to try to ease the pain didn't help. They only made things worse. I knew I couldn't go on living this way, but I felt hopeless. I figured that I was not only a failure in my parents' eyes and in my eyes, but also in God's eyes too. I was filled with shame and I felt stuck. 
but I started seeing a therapist through my company's employee assistance program. Fortunately, my therapist was a Christian who did wonders in helping me see the roots of my addictive and codependent nature. When I told my girlfriend about the excitement in this new process, she told me about a program called Celebrate Recovery at a church called Saddleback. I didn't think it could help me, but if this was how I could get a date on a Friday night, I, I was willing to go. <clears throat> so I started driving up from San Diego on Friday night starting in September of 1997. I did this for a year. At first, I thought I had never seen such a collection of whining, warped, pathetic people in all my life. <laughs> After all, being in control, I didn't think the problem was with me. It was just all of the people and circumstances around me. Begrudgingly, though, I began to work through the Celebrate Recovery process. And because this church was the only place that I had ever felt really accepted for who I was, I took the 101 membership class and the other Saddleback basic classes. In mid-1998, I started working through the third step, which states, we made a decision to turn our lives and our wills over to the care of God. Although I'd accepted Jesus as my personal savior when I was just 12 years old, it took another 30 years to fully understand that turning my will over to Christ is a daily decision and requires a daily recommitment to give the controls of my life over to him. After I started coming here, I began having a daily quiet time with God for the first time in my life. This daily time to listen and learn from Jesus has made all the difference in the world in my life. Before giving up the control of my life to him, I was self-centered and not God-centered. I felt the weight of responsibility for everyone and everything. My motto had been perfect planning and practice prevents poor performance. I planned everything in my life out on pert charts and Gantt charts. My life was one giant composite Microsoft Project exercise. <laughs> I spent many a night pacing in the backyard, wearing out a trench that resembled a dog run, and smoking two packs of cigarettes a night, agonizing about details that I might have omitted in the master plan, and then the contingencies that would be required to recover from the details that I might have omitted and need to recover from. <laughs> in my best efforts to achieve perfection and control, I found myself with three failed marriages, four estranged children, no close friends, and a failed joint venture with the Malaysian government. Not a real good track record for me being in control, is it? Now I know that it is God who owns the master plan and not me. I'm still detail-oriented. But I know that God has and will protect and provide for me. He is so good. He gives me a peace and joy that I have never known before. I used to be exhausted from trying to play God all the time. Now, as his humble servant, I'm finally at peace. 
I listen when he speaks to me through the Bible, through prayer, circumstances, and our church family. Then I make adjustments in my life and obey him. He's the best boss I ever had. Of course, I still have problems and troubles, but my identity now is no longer in what I do for a living, but who I am, God's child. My soul is at rest knowing that God loves me unconditionally and I don't have to earn his approval. My faith is now in Christ and no longer in my own abilities to control things. Now, by God's grace, I am involved in helping others learn to live a more balanced and sane life through a number of ministries like the midweek services, men's morning Bible study, and celebrate recovery here at our church. It's funny how the relationships that I destroyed when I was in control are coming together the better my relationship with God is. The life that I frayed trying to control things, God is tying the loose ends together. I now have 25 of the closest friends you'd ever want to know in your life through my Celebrate Recovery small group who know everything about me and still seem to like me. My son, who is 27, is an officer in the Army, and last night probably flew right over this building coming back from Korea to be stationed in Lawton, Oklahoma. We email each other, talk. He is breaking the bonds and the chain of this addictive behavior that goes from person to person. My two middle sons, one is a freshman at Texas A&M University, and, <laughs> and the other is in, middle, in military school. My 15-year-old daughter recently made a decision to move in with her mother. And if I hadn't turned the control of my life over to God, I would have been absolutely devastated. Prior to this, I had put her on a pedestal and centered my life around her rather than around God. But in turning the control of my life over to God, when my daughter made a decision to move in with her mother, I now see that this is God's plan. And I can wish her the best and support her and also support her mother. And the lady who invited me to celebrate recovery she and I were married in December, and now God is the head of our family. Thank you. This is the time of year where we start to get a lot of invitations. Wedding invitations graduation invitations, dinner invitations. This is the greatest invitation you'll ever get in your life. Come to me, all you who are weary and overloaded, stressed out, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble of heart.
and you will find rest for your soul. For my, my burden is easy, my yoke is light. Where are you going to get a deal like that? Not watching TV. Some of you right now are at the breaking point from overload. Turn to Jesus, give up control, learn to trust. Turn to Jesus, give up control, learn to trust. If you have to say that a thousand times a day, memorize it. Turn to Jesus, give up control, learn to trust. And you will find rest for your soul. Let's bow our heads. What's weighing you down? Problem with your children? With your finances? With aging parents? A difficulty with your business or your health? God brought you here today so he could say this to you. Come to me. Have you ever done that? Have you ever come to Jesus? It doesn't say come to a seminar, come to therapy, come to church, come to small group. It says come to me, Jesus. The starting point is to unload by talking to Jesus about the things that are frustrating you. Tell him exactly how you feel. You know, sometimes even your best friends don't want to listen to your burdens. It's just a little too much. They got their own. But Jesus will never ignore you. Jesus wants to bear the burden. He wants to be your partner. He wants to be the pace setter. What an offer. Pray this prayer in your mind. Say, dear God, I am tired of being tired all the time. I'm tired of trying to control everything. I'm tired of a life without rest and peace and margin. Please forgive me for all the times I've turned to other things for relief instead of turning to you. Today I, I come back to you. I want you to be the pace setter of my life. I want you to set the direction and the pace. I want to stop trying to control all the things I never could control in the first place. Forgive me for my arrogance. Forgive me for allowing my insecurities and my ego to take on more activities than I could possibly manage. Forgive me for pridefully overloading my schedule. Forgive me for filling my life with less important things so that I had no time for what matters most. I want to learn from your model, Jesus. I want to be gentle and humble like you so I can have the peace that you offer. And in my overload, in my darkest hour, I ask you to fill me with your power. And let the light of your love shine on me. In your name I pray. Amen. Hi, this is Pastor Rick. If you just prayed to accept Jesus Christ into your heart, congratulations. You're now my brother or sister in the Lord. 
and you need to tell somebody, and why don't you tell me? Write to me, rick at pastorrick.com. Just email me, rick at pastorrick.com, and tell me your story. I would love to read it. And by the way, I'll send you some free material to help you start in your new journey with the Lord. God bless you. This is Pastor Rick's Daily Hope. We are so happy you've chosen to study along with us today. If you'd like to receive Rick's free daily devotional, go to PastorRick.com and sign up right now. You'll get hope and encouragement from Pastor Rick delivered to your inbox every day. Rick will be back to close out our time today, but first, we have some really exciting news. Generous friends of Daily Hope have offered a $10,000 matching grant. That means whatever amount you give to help share the hope of Jesus worldwide will be matched up to $10,000. Here's Pastor Rick to tell you more. You know, I just want to take a quick second to say thank you, everybody. Because of your generosity, we're able to take the hope of Jesus Christ into places where there are no Bibles, no believers, and no body of Christ, no, no churches at all. Now, as you pray about giving, I want to ask you to ask God about sending a gift That's the largest you're able to give, because at this point of the year, we have a donor who has offered to match your gift. That means what you give will be doubled. We get twice the bang for the buck, in other words. So please respond quickly and give in such a way that we can maximize it through this matching gift. And I want to ask you this. Would you pray for us at Daily Hope? Pray as we reach out to people around the globe with hope that people will find Christ by the thousands and tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands. So thank you for being a partner with me to getting the message out. Act now as we only have till Friday at midnight to meet this match. Just go to PastorRick.com or text the word DAILY to 800-600-5004 and have your gift matched up to $10,000. We'll say thanks by sending you Pastor Rick's book called Re-Energize Your Life. That's PastorRick.com or text the word daily to 800-600-5004. There's only two days left to get this great resource and have your gift matched by the $10,000. So act now. Be sure to join us next time as we look into God's Word for our daily hope. This program is sponsored by Pastor Rick's Daily Hope and your generous financial support.